now right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. everyone to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. Hello there, I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And tonight, as it's the last day in February, which is amazing, um, we want to, we are wrapping up our February theme of houseplants with an Ask Us Anything episode, where we're answering any of our listeners' wonderful questions. So whether it's about houseplants or anything else, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question for us, please send it to instudio101 at gmail.com. Well, Matt, it's reading week. So Matthew, we have Matthew here for the whole show. I'm alive. I'm live and that's on time. Right, that's right. So <laughs> um, many of our listeners might realize Matt's been coming in slightly into the show a little bit just uh, for, for this scheduling conflict that we have um <laughs> but uh we're making the best of it so i hope everybody is uh is understanding and our guests have been really good at understanding as well so um yeah and then i was away so then we acted that we did uh last uh dave's our air plant right was last week that's right and and that was a good episode that was one of our po- most popular shows and uh, Marianne's wonderful houseplant book that has so inspired me. Yes. And speaking of houseplants while you were away, um, I can only imagine, I don't know if you want to share with the listeners where you went, but all the amazing what would have been houseplants for us. Oh, um, yeah, totally. Being out in the wild for you. Yes, I was in St. Lucia. So, yes, all their gardens were filled with our houseplants, right? So, uh, so yes, it was <laughs> tropical plant heaven. And I did think about a lot about Marianne's book from our conversation with her before I left. And uh, yeah, and just seeing how tough, you know, the plants can survive in those conditions kind of thing so that they can survive in our uh, our climate as well. Obviously not for winter. And so she gives all the instructions on bringing them inside. But uh, yeah, the different textures. And um, I know I was thinking to you, you and I chatted on the weekend and I was saying how in um, many of our gardens, we try to, as designers, we try to explain to, to homeowners, it's not all about the flowers because things only flower for a certain period of time that really you have to, especially with lower light areas, you really have to also consider foliage and textures and, and different shades of green and like big leaves and skinny leaves or, you know, things like yews that are evergreen and deciduous. And that, that really makes a garden, gives a garden a lot of interest season, seasonally. Um, but I know when we think of tropical plants, we just think of flowering plants, right? Bird of Paradise, Bougainvillea, you know, those types of things. But I really got to see that despite us having that there, we all, I also saw the textures of the different plants. And it really, uh, really struck me at how, even though they're very different than what we grow in our gardens, it was very similar at the same time. 
And so of all these amazing plants, which one like jumped out at you the most? Was there one that was just, oh my God, it's so pretty or, oh my gosh, what is that? Well, there were several like that for sure. <laughs> um, and I did, and you're going to, uh, I, I tried to just, cause some of the plants were labels. They had labels. So when I did see the labels, I did go and photograph the labels. Um, so I don't have that in front of me. Uh, I think they're ginger. I think it, is it, I think it's a ginger plant. Is it red ginger? Mm -hmm. that like has a red flower i mean that those were quite um very interesting and much bigger than what we see here in in, in our homes um but it really made a statement in the garden uh so yeah so i think there were there were a lot of different things um that really that really struck me same with the shade like their their shade their the things that they had in the shade also had green and white like our very you know a lot of our uh, shade plants are very like dog like um, are variegated green and white, right? And so we're there. So the tropical plants were variegated green and white. So that was really interesting. And they also had a lot of burgundy. So I kept thinking um, there was one plant that was quite tall, actually, and it reminded me of um, nine bark, like just in the sense that like it wasn't as droopy as our nine bark was, but it was, it had that burgundy similar leaf, but it was much more structured. And um, so, yeah, so that was made for a really interesting hedge. So um, so yeah, so I'm hoping to post, post all that in a in a blog post uh, in the near future. So uh, stay tuned. Um, but it was a very nice trip, and uh, um, no complaints. You know, it was nice to kind of get away. So uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we all need a good break, right? We did. Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. And it was safe, and everybody was safe there on the island. It was it was really well done. So. Uh, um, so yeah, so traveling now is a little bit of an adventure, but it was, uh, it was very good. So, um, it but good. it was nice to be surrounded by plants and, and things too. So it was really <laughs> the uh, warm cool weather. Thing. Yes. Yes. The warm weather. So, um, well, but yes, but I'm happy to be back. I know we've got listeners, uh, tuning in and hopefully they've got some questions for us from either some of the past shows, right. Uh, since we weren't here to answer them, um, or, uh, anything else about their existing houseplants. Yes, exactly. So send us your questions. Dawn has already written in and said, hey, favorite listener here, welcome back. So thank you, Dawn, for welcoming us back. It does feel like it's been quite a while uh, since we've been able to talk live, for sure. Yeah, especially together too, right? So that's good. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I actually have a question for you because I have this dilemma, which so, you know, it's, it's ask us anything. I'm going to ask you. Oh. <laughs> and I might have mentioned <laughs> on the show before, but I have a very big rubber tree plant and yes. it's getting, I think, surviving shockingly in a north, in my dining room in the north window as I cough. Hold on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know, sorry, and I didn't even hit the mute button. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, it's it's gotten really wide. And so it's it's taking up like a cool corner of the room. So I feel like I need to trim it, but I know it leaks and I don't think it's as easy as just trimming it, right? So Yeah, is it actively growing or is it just kind of dormant yeah. or shockingly it's oh, I mean at this time of year no there's some new leaves on it and actually considering it gets very little light it is actually really happy but I think that's part of it is why it's getting wider right is because it's reaching you know it is by a north window but it's still a north window 
Yeah. So the spaces between the leaves are starting to get a little, maybe a little wider than they were originally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she's stretching a bit for sure, reaching for all that nice. And definitely like, it's not a single stem. Like it's like a multi-stem shrub. Like it's, it's. Yeah. yeah. Like a nice big bush. It's not like a standard, yeah. but it's like a nice big bush. Yeah. 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 So you could do that now if she's actively growing, because she'll actively repair herself. But yes, she will start to drip because they get that kind of sappy, mm -hmm. uh, white milky. So just watch if you do do that, if those branches are beyond the pot, um, that you catch it or put a bag Newspaper down or something. Drip. Okay. Newspaper, yeah, it would be perfect. And then you can just throw it out or recycle it. Um, yeah, and then you could do it by, I wouldn't do it too heavily right now until the days grow longer. If you wanted to do one or two maintenance pruning, like, it's, you know, it's kind of sticking out over a chair. It's like in the way of walking. I would do that now down to the next set of buds. Kind of like we would do a shrub outside. Okay. Um, but then I would wait till we see a lot more of those tips start to activate and become actively growing and give her a nice little. Okay. And she should branch up. And then if you give her a little bit more sunlight or a little bit more blue light, she'll start to compact and stay. That internodal space will be a little tighter. She'll oh, be a little okay. bit more dense. Yes. Yeah. If it wasn't so big, I I, um, I think I would love to bring it outside. I mean, it's definitely uh, Marianne inspired me about about doing that. Um, well, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, know. you could if you wanted to wait and then give her a nice prune and yeah, take her outside and acclimatize her outside and have her nice and big and dense. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Yeah. So that might be. It's just heavy, but we'll see if I can convince somebody <laughs> else to do the heavy lifting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, thank you. So I got the first question or the first question in of the day. Um, it looks like Frank is here and he says, yay, Matt is back. And Joanne, which, which wish, he was wishing he was with me. Um, so does rock salt for ice hurt lawns? Good yeah. question. Very timely, yeah. too. Great question. And yeah, it does. If we get too many salts that are uh, out onto the lawn or all that snow that shoveled out that has a high salt, salt content, as that breaks down uh, and starts to leach into the soil, the salt will start to draw the moisture away or draw the moisture towards the salt. So it'll pull it away um, from the root zone so that the roots can't really get it. And then that'll cause some uh, drought stress, obviously, but also depending on the accumulation of the salts, we can start to see some burning and some physical damage of those roots as well. So yeah, as best you can, um, you know, try to push your salt to somewhere else beyond or the away mm -hmm. from your lawn as best you can. Yeah. Is there anything um, that we can do put on the, the lawn to in early spring to neutralize it? You could again, just hopefully that we can start to um, leach it away so we can add a lots of water. Hopefully, hopefully we get some good spring rains that we can dissolve those salts and push them away, away from the root zones. And that should be uh, help with it a little as well. It depends on how much, Frank, you end up um, putting it down, how much mm -hmm. you end up putting down and what you use as well. I mean, if you're using the, um, <clears throat> the like actual rock salt or salt, uh, sodium, yeah, that, that'll do more damage than something else, like one of the specialized uh, ice melters. And yeah. I was just trying to think of what their active... Uh, Is it magnesium? Is it magnesium? Magnesium or potassium chloride, I think. Okay. 
Now gypsum, now gypsum, because I know I get a gypsum put down in my garden in the fall as a preventative for some of the salt damage to some of my shrubs and trees and things. Um, and I've seen it just recently. I think it was Matt McFarland was recommending it for his clients from SEP uh, for, for lawn damage. What do you think of that? Yeah, I could definitely, yeah. Putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying look at Matt's face, you guys. Sorry. No, no. I was just trying to think of, I'm just saying, oh, I've never actually heard of doing that instead for uh, for the lawn. So, no, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep, oh, I could definitely go. see that. Yeah, Matt, for everybody, Matt McFarland is another landscape designer who's been on our show in the past. And I happened to just see that same comment on uh, on Twitter that he responded to. So and I, it made me think about it because I thought, well, I'm using it as a preventative, like my arborist puts it down as a preventative. So it was interesting that he was suggesting people because it can be sometimes hard to find later in the season. So he said, yes. you know, buy it now so that you have it ready when you need to use it. So, so that's yeah, the gypsum would help you, Frank. For sure. Yeah, that would help dislodge the, the sodium um, and allow it to eat, leach a lot easier as well. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Very neat. I live in a condo as well, so yeah, <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. Well, no. Wait, no, but you do have all the experience at the garden center and all yeah. the chemicals and stuff. But yes, um, Matt doesn't have uh, rocket, rock, rock salt issues at his front lawn, right? No. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, goodness gracious. So, uh, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, so. Um, Sadie has written in. I was just going to say, yes, Sadie has written in and. Hello to you. It says Sadie, past shows posted anywhere. Thank you. And yeah, Sadie, you can uh, definitely check out uh, if you down uh, Google down or search down the Garden Path podcast on your favorite podcast provider. We are releasing every episode every week, usually every Tuesday, Wednesday. You'll see uh, the Monday's episode go live. So you can find us there on Google Podcasts or wherever else you like to download your podcast. And thank you for tuning in live this evening. And you can also find them on uh, both of our websites. You can find Joanne at www.down2earth.ca. Uh, and you can find myself at naturalaffinity.ca. So yeah, if you down, just Google down the Garden Path podcast. We've got lots of wonderful episodes uh, there for you to explore and enjoy. So thank you for the question, Sadie. Yeah. And Jim, and I can't believe I coughed that way. So we know that Joanne was smoking on her vacation with that cough. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was caught me so off guard. I couldn't hit the mute button. Um, but I'm, I'm a realist question. So I have a, a bunch of these myself. So after that beautiful flower blooms and dies off, what do I need to do to the plant? Thank you. That's a great question. An excellent question. I you were saying you have some, so I wasn't sure if you were going to jump in there. Huh? No, yeah. I mean I yeah I haven't been successful, so I'd love to hear what you. I've tried a different few different things. So what do you recommend? Yeah, the way I usually treat mine is I treat it just like a, any other regular house plant. Um, so if I've got it in soil, I'm still watering it. I've let it do its flower as it starts to die back or yellow. I'll cut the stalk out, and then I will keep it in a bright. Uh, indirect or medium direct light where I can keep it evenly moist and it can still continue to give me leaves and I'll do so until um, it'll start to draw back all of the food back from the leaves into the bulb which 
I've had it do it as early as like March, but I've also had it run all the way through the season. And in which case I usually treat it as a shade plant outside. So I'll give it a, a bright indirect or shady location. And then usually she'll start to lose her leaves or draw back as we start to see some coolness. So end of September, early October, I'll cut those leaves back. I'll be feeding her as well, I should say, uh, with something with a little bit more of a high phosphorus number as well, just for her to build that, help build that new bulb. So I'll do something with a phosphorus and a potassium number. And then what I'll do is as it yellows down, I'll just dig it up, keep it in a dark, cool location. And then usually around December, depending on the timing and how the year went and how cool it was, like this fall was a much warmer fall. Um, what I'll do is I'll just bring it inside. And after about two months, she'll usually start to leaf out again. And then I, again, I'll just treat her as an indoor houseplant. And you could leave the amaryllis in a pot if you already have it, or you could plant it right out into the garden if you wanted. Just remember too, when you bring it inside, uh, and Marianne talked about this in her bringing in houseplants, part of our uh, houseplants and how to love them. Uh, her look at her book is just making sure that we're watching for those insects and other pests. Uh, mm -hmm. Being outside, they're going to migrate in and investigate. Uh, so you might find someone hiding in your new soil if you plant it out or in your pot if you bring it in. So that's all I've ever done. And, um, and I've you actually... get it to rebloom, like you've gotten it yep. to rebloom by doing that. Okay. So my next question is, do we have to bring it outside? Or is there a way to keep it inside? Yeah, if you've got the space, you can just keep it like a tropical foliage house plant, very grass-like. Yeah. Um, and then just, again, keeping those warm temperatures and that bright indirect light. And, and she's good to go. Okay. And when should we start feeding them? Like now or wait till a little bit more in the summer? Like if they're in the pot now and they finish flowering, but yes, I've got lots of leaves. Yeah, I usually do a half strength um, before when we get before we get into like uh, May. I'll usually do like a half strength 10, 15, 10, just a nice balanced fertilizer with a little bit of phosphorus and potassium in there. And then from about um, what is it Easter to about Thanksgiving, that's where I'll give them that full strength water soluble every two weeks. Okay. A little bit of that 10, 15, 10, or like a 6, 12, 18, something with that higher potassium and phosphorus. Just like let her to root and fatten up all those bulbs, those modified leaves and start to build that flower for her. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is such a, an achievement it, to get them to rebloom. So, uh, so yeah. So I think it's worth it. Yeah, I agree completely, especially if you find that they're still fat and firm um, after they've bloomed and they're kind of green. They haven't really shrank too much. They should shrink a little bit. Um, but if, if they're still nice and fat and firm, you've got a lot of that stored energy. What, I can't even, I, it was a place when I worked in Toronto, I was given one as a gift and I was so bad with it. I was so bad with it. I had potted it or I had it in the box in a little pot I didn't even give it soil and I just sat it in its little six inch pot she oh. leafed and she bloomed and she was amazing and then we were reorganizing the house so I put her into the other room she completely died I didn't cut anything back and by the next end middle of middle of November to the end of November she was flowering a second time and I literally did nothing did, did no water she was maybe in the right light and she yeah. popped, but she was really fat and still healthy as she went. So she's just a good quality bulb. 
Yeah, that yeah, that it just cracks me up, right? When there's so many things. I often think yeah. about that with cedars, right? That I've got clients who like babysit their cedars, like water them and fertilize them and trim them and stake them and screen them and burlap them and all this stuff, and they struggle. And other people who plant them and just like go to the cottage and they do great. Like yeah, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. So uh, so that's that's nature for us, right? It never uh, never oh it doesn't always cooperate, but uh, yeah, I mean I I didn't bring mine. I kept mine. I didn't get mine to successfully rebloom. I certainly got lots of leaves um, and I didn't bring them outside, but I put them in the basement. And uh, so, yeah, so I think, I think they need a little bit more. I think I might've put them in the basement too soon. And if I keep them now by a window um, and get a bit more light and fertilize, I did not fertilize. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's cool when you have a few, cause now I can, t- I can test it out. Right. I can test them out a little bit, do a little bit of experimenting, but like you, I get busy and then forget about it. Right. So, yeah. yes, <laughs> you know, it's gotta be tough. Yeah. So if you have any, if any of our listeners have tricks and tips for, you know, how they've kept their uh, amaryllis uh, going from season to season, we'd love to uh, hear about it. Right. Yes. We love those stories. Just like you were saying with the cedars, right. You mm-hmm. baby them and then people do nothing with them. And it's always yeah. fun hearing those. those yeah, things. yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so Hannah's written in also in our lovely February Ask Us Anything episode. Um, she says she already sees that the home improvement stores have their spring fertilizer out. As the snow, as soon as the snow melts, what is the earliest time to put this down on our lawns? Thanks. Yeah. You know what? I always, I always hear this story in my head about how um, I heard it way back when, but Mark Cullen would go out and seed and fertilize on the snow and just let it, you know, melt down and let it do its thing. Um, so yeah, as soon as you can get out there, I like to say, once we start to see some of the other small, warmer grass, like some of the grasses or weeds, um, just starting to grow in little, start to green, but also grow in some of the cracks or those little microclimates where you start to see you know, the grass on the edge of a wall starts to green up. Things are getting enough heat energy that they're probably starting to activate in their roots for sure. If they're not actively growing above, they might still look dormant compared to that weed, but things are going to be starting to feed and grow and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. usually, depending on um, Hannah, where you are, uh, I usually say about March to mid-March, depending on the weather or early April. Uh, it totally depends on that spring. If we get a really icy March or it's still super cold and the ground is frozen, there's still nothing going to be really absorbed, whether the snow is gone there or not. So I like to look for a few signs of life to start first. And then I know usually the roots are starting to activate in our area and you can put it down and let it start to soak in and and give them a feed. The Mm -hmm. other thing is with the spring fertilizer is I consider our spring fertilizer for the May growth. So when we start to see um, the green growth out in the spring, uh, you know, usually April or May, when our lawn is greened and started to grow up to about two inches long, we know that they're actively growing and they're gonna be growing so fast in the cooler weather, they're gonna be looking for that higher nitrogen uh, that they're looking for. And then hopefully with our winter fertilizing that happens at the end of November, you've still already got some nice high potassium or high phosphorus fertilizer that's already melted into your soil and into the root zone. 
with your grass so that when we do get that activation point where the roots start to warm up and we start to see some of those weeds and other things activate, they're already starting to draw in the food you left them last winter mm. as well. Okay. Yeah. I think so. when you were saying about the weather, I think also the amount of snow we've gotten this year too, I think is a little bit of a factor, Hannah, into just holding off a bit. Cause I feel like if yeah. you did too much, you know, too soon and on top, I think then once we get rain, the spring rains and stuff, I think you really worry as much as they want to be ahead of the game. I feel like the runoff and the rains are just going to wash it away. And so you're just wasting it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like holding off a little bit, um, and uh and yeah i don't know because like you said it's not they're not actively grass isn't going to start actively growing for a while mm. so so that's something to think about yeah and like you said with the snow even if like the snow is gone and the, and the ground is still frozen you've got all that rain and that precipitation coming they can't penetrate the ground but all those soluble salts start to get released and dissolved and they move on the runoff so mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's why i like that winter fertilizer kind of takes you right through that space and your plants still wake up with a half of a meal there from last year <laughs> and once we start growing we can drop into yeah. our high nitrogen for sure or our typical fertilizer whichever you like to use yeah yeah no that's a great question so um yeah. so yeah i mean i think and same you know what we often say you know even with the grass seed questions and stuff like that that it's uh, we get impatient for gardening but or for getting out into the yard but really i think um depending it also depends on the quality of your lawn too because if there's a lot of walking right. on it and and things like that um then you're compressing everything so with contributing to that runoff so yeah yes I'm going to let you look at that next question. Well, I jump in at the bottom of the hour, making up for some lost time as I've been joining the show, usually about right now. But I'd like to stop and say thank you, everyone, for joining us here on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing, here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. While you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from all of our listeners. And that's one of the things we really love about doing this Ask Us Anything or, you know, mm -hmm. our question and answers. We really like enjoy uh, hearing from you guys, interacting with you guys, answering your questions, seeing what's on your mind as well. So you can always write us here at instudio101 at gmail.com. Gary, our wonderful producer, always forwards the mail. Uh, you can also find us via our websites. Again, you can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca and you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca and I think for the first time we want to start advertising as well um, we have another email address that we can be putting out there for you as well it is down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com so again down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com you can also send us uh, a message there if you don't 
want to send one and say hello to Gary and have him forward, you can also reach us uh, directly there as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. And thank you for letting me. We were going to talk about this today anyway, weren't we? Um, uh, we were. And I thought it was we a were, perfect segue. We were. So Joe is asking us about, is the book coming out soon? I have spring birthday guests to purchase. Thank you. Well, good to hear, Joe. Um, we are, we are um, putting on the last, you mean more, you know, we're there. We're almost there. We're almost at the, the finish line. But uh, <laughs> our, our goal is, is certainly the end of March. It, we, you know, we obviously want to get it out. We tried to get it out before Christmas, which was like hilarious that we even thought we could do that. <laughs> um, so now that, now that we've done it, we've gone through it. We're like, wow, now we know why it takes people so long, right? Um, so yes, we're really aiming to have something to that you can purchase by the end of the month. So end of March, right? Yes, we're putting on some final uh, details and some revisions. We have so much information that we love uh, bringing you and sharing with you that we honestly just want to make sure that it's complete and that you are getting uh, the best of us, which we try to bring to you guys every single show. Uh, So we honestly, we just wanted to make sure that it was all there for you, but we will have it by the end uh, of the month. I think we just have a couple months yeah review if, for the if last all goes time. well yeah <laughs> I mean lots of editing there's so much editing and there's so much you know we're really going through it and having and making sure it 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 breaks everything down as straightforward as possible so uh so yeah so it's definitely been uh been a fun <laughs> but challenging you know thing to do so uh, which we knew it well which we knew it would be but uh yeah so thank you everybody for your patience and your support and we can't wait um, hopefully every week we'll have a bit of an update for you. Yes. And uh, looking ahead at what we might be doing in March, we might have to just have a book release episode. So uh, I'm sure we'll have some giveaways and some other exciting mm-hmm. things around that time too. Yeah. So yes. Thank you for keeping us on our toes and asking those questions. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So uh, um, I I wonder how many people have started seeds. You know, that is, you know, I know it's a house, but we were kind of talking about house plants, but I uh, wonder if there's any listeners who've started any veggie seeds inside. Matt, have you started anything? You know what? Last year, I ended up starting like early, early. Right about now, I was doing some tomatoes and like they were 14 inches before I could blink. And yeah. I just couldn't handle them. I ended up planting them and they were perfectly fine. They were, they weren't as perfectly straight because I didn't get them staked and whatever. And in the seed trays, they started to kind of bend and fall over while they were doing their thing, but they still would grow, but it was a little bit of a, um, some maintenance to kind of keep them growing and potting them up and making sure I had enough light that they didn't get kind of funky before I could put them out. So no, Mm -hmm. I have not, um, but I am still ordering seeds. Um, Julia DeMacos was on the show three weeks, four weeks ago now, I think, just at the beginning of February or end of January. She reminded me about uh, the pink um, marigolds. Oh, did you buy some of those? Yes, I was meaning to buy them from the last time in in November when she talked about them. So I got to pick myself up a couple of these. So I'm looking forward to starting those and they can be started a little earlier and and kept compact and in a window. So I think I'm going to just kind of 
play with those as my seeds and mm-hmm. a lot of other fruits and veggies on the way. So. Same. I think after uh, Julia's visit at the end of January, I was like, I got on the seed ca- like websites and I started putting stuff in my cart and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going away for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so really uh, that was not such a good idea and it was too early. Um, so we did have some success. Um, she had recommended um, the sugar baby, I believe, the small watermelon that we did grow and we had it climb up. It was very cool because it was small and we had it um, my son planted it we started from seed and we um, grew them on chains on our fence so that they grew up and um, put end up putting like a little bit of a stocking like something to kind of when it got bigger and bigger it was incredible they like grew in front of your eyes but still not you know a huge size Um, they just weren't seedless so so when we've been spoiled first world problems we've been spoiled with growing up with (laughs) seedless watermelon so now you plant your own and it's full of seeds so we you know I asked Dylan and he's like I don't know I mean it it had so many seeds in it and we didn't get our timing perfect either with uh with knowing when it was ripe so they were always it was always just a little under under ripe um but I did research some cantaloupes that I thought okay well maybe try it we'll try that because at least mm. the seeds are all in that center right so, but once you, but you can't just order one package of seeds from somebody, like then you start getting on the site and you start adding all these things. And then it was like, okay, I, uh, so I stopped, <laughs> but uh, um, I know I'm looking forward to Julia's on the show next week. And we're going to talk, we're going to really talk specifically about herbs, because that is one thing mm. that many of us can do and, and bring in the house and, and kind of maintain um, and, uh, and anybody who likes to cook with herbs and uh, herbs are great for pollinators. There's lots of things. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to our, our show uh, next week with uh, Julia. She's going to make me want to start growing herbs and other things I that I don't have room for on the balcony. I know. And I'm listening to you talk about putting seeds in and I'm just thinking uh, my catalog in my, or my, my total in my cart checkout right now is like $72. Oh, so that's yeah, all that's... I need Julia's. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. It's uh, great. And you're doing it all on your balcony. So, uh, yes, yes. Luckily, I have not, like, ask your landlord, like, is there not a little garden plot or yeah. some place where you can go and, and, and start growing stuff? Just don't even ask. Like, just put them in. Just start growing. Start <laughs> growing. Oh, that would be awesome. for, My whole ask for forgiveness instead of permission. True. I don't know how I got there. I'm so sorry. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of planting things in places, uh, Karen has written it. Hello. I want to plant a red maple in my yard this year. I live just outside of Toronto. What is the earliest I can do so? Theoretically, you can do it, Karen, as soon as you can dig the hole deep enough to properly plant it. And you can find a red maple to buy of the size and, and what you want uh, because she'll wake up and she'll start to expand out in, into the thawed soil and, and she, she'll grow. Um, but yeah, as long as you, as long as you can find one uh, and you can dig the hole, I, I would go for it. Um, it just depends on how big you want it and what size you want. Do you need it bald and burlap? Do you need some people to help you dig the hole or, install it with a landscaper or is it something containerized you can easily do yourself <laughs> <laughs> again I mean, 
<laughs> so yeah, so it's um, just take a look, take a look for your local garden center. Right now is almost the time, usually about mid to end of March is when we're going to start to see uh, plant materials, some dormant stuff show up, but also garden centers now by now know also what they are ordering or have coming in from places if they haven't already uh, done, if they've already done their order, sorry. So you should be able to call your favorite independent garden center and see what sizes and prices and start to plan for them. Uh, and then they may also be able to put it on hold for you and uh, have you come in and purchase it and pick it up whenever you're ready. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Um, if I miss something, Karen, please, yes, let, just uh, write back in and uh, we'd love to help you answer your questions. <laughs> I'm starting to get tongue-tied on this Monday evening. I know. Do we want to clarify whether um, we want a native red maple as opposed to a crimson king oh, maple? Excellent. So that's yes. something to definitely think about. Um, and boy, this tickle in my throat does not want to go away. Um, but yeah, that is something to think about that actually the crimson king one, which we often are refer to as red maple, um, really is an invasive species, invasive plant. Uh, invasive tree uh, variety of the Norway, Norway. maple. Um, so that's something to, to, you know, you can read up on that um, to see if that's the one you're thinking of, uh, Karen, or whether you want one that's going to go red, the green all year, and then goes bright red in the fall, which is more of the native Acer, right? Acer rubrum. Yeah. 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 So the Norway is the one just maybe for people who don't know those trees. Yeah. The, the Norway red maple that a lot of people like to call it is the big classic maple leaf looking leaf with that burgundy, but the actual red maple by uh, botanic name as well as common name is actually a green leaf that goes that bright blazing red and it's a North American native tree. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Excellent. I usually catch that. I'm thank you. I no, no problem. <laughs> that is fine. That's fine. I know everybody is keen, right? And um, taking care of their house plants. I know my orchids have all stopped flowering. I soaked them today, um, my little baby orchids. And um, my son did a good job of looking after my air plants. I have a couple oh. of air plants based on like last week's show. I'd love to know if there's any other listeners who ordered um, some of these cool and funky air plants. It is pretty easy. You know what? I think it's almost that easier to like just drop them in a sink for water for half an hour than it is to remember to give them water and how much water do they need and then and, and that kind of thing. And um, so, they, yeah, it's been pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, and this one that looks more like a, it's a tiny one that looks more like a fuzzy caterpillar i haven't gotten that like i don't know what to put it in yet so i kind of still have it in like a shot glass <laughs> so it's not the most decorative uh, uh arrangement but i'm still working that out but uh i have to say and uh um, i know being away kind of inspired me with my house plants um and uh, i have i've also been really lucky with the hibiscus i brought in my mother-in-law's hibiscus that she kept out on her patio uh balcony um her balcony apartment balcony all summer and it's done pretty well so uh so yeah very nice right. growing into the world of houseplants she is mm -hmm. right in front of our eyes <laughs> that's awesome um yeah i mean i'd like to know too if anybody grabbed um picked up any uh houseplants or air plants from uh, David Lynn and Dave's air plant corner for sure. And I always found the same thing when I had my aquarium running and I had house, house plants, I would just let them float in the top of the aquarium and suck mm -hmm. up some of the nutrients in the water and yeah, let them do their thing. That's a good idea. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Now do you have um, an aquarium? <laughs> no, no aquarium, no aquarium, but that's okay. So, um, and so we've got another question. Uh, this is a good one from Ralph. Um, they're all good. So I don't know why I say that every time, don't I? Um, yeah, they're all really good questions. Hello, I was talking to a bunch of friends of mine about starting a community garden here in Scarborough, Ontario. Do you know of any references that we should talk to about this? I would really like to do it. Thank you. Very interesting question. Ooh, you know, the first people that I think about were the people who I were doing the community garden last year with mm-hmm. was... Um, the Whitby Ajax Garden Project. Okay. And I might have said that it might have been Ajax Whitby Garden Project. Um, but they were able to do, to procure some land and they're growing things for themselves, but also for uh, the community at large. They grow some plots that also you grow food in for to donate back to uh, the local food bank and the local um other places like that that take care of the community as well, not just as like you're growing your own food for yourself. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I would maybe start there. Um, and your local garden club as well might know um, or have a couple. Yeah, yeah. Ralph, the um, Scarborough, there's a couple of them, but there's Scarborough uh, um, Horticultural Society might be a place to start as well. Um, yeah, because we're both in Durham region, we kind of know a few in Durham region. Um, so if you want to do something bigger scale, if you wanted something smaller, then I would think of finding somebody that might have, like, even if they have a commercial space, but have some green, like, you know, green property that, so prevents them from having to worry about watering grass or cutting grass and just say, maybe reach out to them and say, you know, can we turn this into, um, you know, a community garden? So that could be, a, but I know it's kind of like a needle in a haystack finding a perfect spot from that standpoint. Yes. Yeah, that can be that can be a little uh, um, challenging for sure. Most sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there must be some existing, too. So I was just searching for Ajax um, Whippy. Uh, yeah, Whippy Ajax Garden Project. So that's something um, we'll put it in our show notes, Ralph. But uh, the website says right now it's plantingthefuture.ca. So maybe check that website out and see if there's something you can kind of piggyback on them and to start something more locally to you. That's right. Yeah. So that's a Thank good you time. very much for the question. Yeah. You had a good time. Like last year, do you think you would do that again? The I know school has kept you really busy, but the, the, the plot that you had last year. Yeah, I would definitely do it again. It's so much fun just being out there with the community garden and, and the different gardeners and their different things that they're growing and their different ideas. It's really a lot of fun to see, watch all these different plants get to grow and how everybody uh, enjoys doing their own thing and what they're going to do with it. And there's just so many interesting avenues and great people to, to meet out there uh, and talk with and grow with. So for sure, mm-hmm. if I had the chance, I would definitely do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you're you're gonna having lots of fun planting at the school and and teaching the kids how to uh, um, what are the courses? I don't know if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what you're because he's not only teaching at college, he's teaching about call about you know plants at college for to to the new generation, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. One of my courses are is uh, uh, annuals and herbaceous perennials for historic and contemporary gardens. So uh, if you have not looked at or heard of 
Parkwood Estates here in uh, the Durham regions, one of Canada's oldest remaining estate manors uh, around. We get to be on those grounds and we get to learn about the different annuals and herbaceous perennials, as the title says, uh, about how to use them and how Parkwood is using them and some of those varieties and just kind of, you know, learn about annuals and perennials and growing and their situations and their uses, how to use them in design, et cetera. And then the other ones we're talking about growing. So nursery operations and uh, greenhouse and production and house indoor house plants. So uh, how to grow okay. those, propagate those, set up production schedules. We look at light and uh, irrigation and heat and temperature and how all those factors play. And then moving out into from a growing operation as well as into the wholesale and resale operation for nursery. So a nice broad spectrum, yeah. a nice good look at the industry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so with the with the parkwood and with the herbaceous perennials and annuals, are you like taking saving seeds from like are you regrow like you know using seeds from last year's plants to make new plants or they they do get to do a little bit of that seed collecting. Okay. Um parkwood does have some of the standards because they are trying to keep the gardens just as so down to about 1937. Era. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're always planting and collecting seeds and taking yeah. cuttings of their own for their own greenhouse. So we get to see a little bit of that and, and talk with the head grower there. Uh, but we, we don't get to be as involved as we might like. So we do get oh, okay. to go pop over to the college and, and do a little bit of fun stuff there where it's a little bit more sensitive and controlled sometimes at Parkwood so right right definitely but it, but that is interesting to know that they are trying to keep the plant so they're not no new proven winner uh you know from 2022 is going to be found in their gardens right they're, yeah they they're are start- trying to keep it like as close to the original heirloom plant as mm. they possibly can very yeah. interesting good yeah no yeah okay so I think we've got a couple or a few more questions that have popped in Don Smith has written in and says, hello, this is so exciting to hear about your book. Can't wait. I was wondering about that piece. (laughs) And Charlie's written in, hi, Matt and Joanne. Great information tonight. It gets us excited about spring and gardening. That's what we're trying to do. So, but there's still a long way. We still got so many months yet before we can get out there. So we want to keep bringing you some great topics and and information. And if you have any feedback for us too, about um, as we're continuing to build our show schedule, um, if there's something you want to learn more about, uh, we would love to hear from you about that. So, right. Exactly. And we have one other question from Mike. Um, Mike has also written in, my kids saw a seed package of giant pumpkins at the store the other day. And I can already picture it right here in my head, Mike. Uh, and they want to grow them for this coming year's Halloween. Any tips on advice on how to do this properly? How soon can we put the seed in the ground? Uh, And then do you need a lot of room? What about fertilizer? Thanks so much for your advice. So Mm -hmm. definitely starting with the seed, take a look at the seed package and it will tell you when you want to start it according to your average last frost date, wherever you are, Mike. So for us, it's here in the GTA. It's uh, usually around the May 24 weekend, although with zones changing, some people it's getting a little closer to about May 9th-ish, but always look at the back of that seed package to see where you can 
uh, started or it's safe to put back outside. It'll also tell you how soon you can start it inside so the kids can watch uh, it start to grow inside. And then that'll give you as well, again, that time to put it out. So once the danger of frost is all gone, she will survive. Watch those cool nights. You may need to protect it with a cloche or some sort of covering if we get a random dip. Uh, so that's how soon you can put the seed out in the ground. Do you need a lot of room? You do want to give it as I was much say, room Mike, as you can. Yeah, I was say, Mike, the, the word <laughs> giant. My, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. The key word there is giant, Mike. So I guess it depends on the size. Um, Matt, you can also start some right direct seeding, right? So you can start some yes. ahead of time and then, you know, some backup ones if you want to try them in the garden. Um, but yeah, some of them can get pretty big. Yeah, some of them are, are very large, like two and a half to three feet tall and just as wide or yeah. as round for sure. So you do want to give them some good room to grow. I would give them at least a 10 by 10 area with some good, um, rich organic soil. They are going to be heavy feeders to feed in there. Uh, I know you can find some recipes because there is a huge competition out there for growing large pumpkins. There's a whole subculture of growing the largest pumpkin uh, so there's some pretty neat recipes some you know two pounds nitrogen three pounds phosphorus one pound potassium or something like yeah. that per thousand square meters so for that i would i if it, the seed package doesn't say um, i would find something just for some fruit and vegetable again with a higher phosphorus or potassium and a, a decent nitrogen or i would look something specific up for that cultivar that you ended up or that heirloom that you end up growing uh, and then follow that fertilization recommendation for the rest of the season yeah and hopefully you guys have some amazing uh pumpkins yeah you'll have yeah. to write us in uh, october and let us know how it went and what you ended up doing with them how yes we do need we should we need to have a pumpkin show because i know when i've gone for our book from the materials like we've kind of gone through and looked at like past questions and make sure we're covering people things that people asked over the years and it's actually shocking at how many times people have asked questions throughout the seasons uh, about pumpkins and that's just something we've never you know and that so that just kind of reminded me too um it would be interesting um, and then you could kind of partner with Ralph with your community garden to growing pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, so I think that would be uh, would be good. But even I mean, it doesn't even have to be the giant ones. Like I think even just regular, you know, like good size pumpkins could could still be a fun thing for, for kids to watch to grow. I agree. And then the last thing I remember, too, just with Mike for the any of the tips is if you're going to just grow one that. That's, it's going to be hard to do, but lots of pumpkins also like to have a little bit of a roll downhill. So they like a little bit of a grade as well to kind ah. of spill over. They don't like to be perfectly flatter in like a valley. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause yes, the water, that's when you get the rotting, right? They need to be. Yeah. Yeah. It lets it drain yeah. off the surface and lets them ramble a bit. Yeah. We're going to need to find us a pumpkin farmer so we can do an episode on pumpkins. So there we go. <laughs> I've already made the note. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. Good. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's good. And I know um, uh, Donna has said to welcome back. She loved the last two weeks of shows, but she loves us live too. So yes, we like being live as well. We love the feature of being able to do a, a pre-record if we need to, but uh, it is fun here getting your live questions. It is indeed. And I can't believe it's already flown by. We're at 53 
No, oh, we have. only got a handful of minutes left. Okay. Um, I don't see any other last questions. If anybody has any left, um, uh, I see a couple there. So I know the oh, feed's sorry. coming through a little, a little weird today. But um, Shane has written in about uh, garden ponds. So he said you had a gentleman <laughs> on your show a while back about garden ponds. Can you tell me his name or company? So I believe that was Ernest with Aquascape. So he actually works for the pond manufacturing company and we love him don't we we've had some so much great so many great shows with him yes yeah you're right ernest williams uh with aquascape and their website there is aquascape uh com. and uh yeah you should be able to contact ernest if you're in the gta he services mm -hmm. a bunch of people there but they have an amazing website they have a great youtube channel and then as you said joanne too we have uh definitely at least three shows i think with uh yeah. Ernest talking about ponds and calculating and adding fish uh, and answering a lot of great pond questions for sure. That's right. And but if you are looking for an actual person to install a water feature for you, um, depending where you are, Shane, um, you can drop us an email and, and Matt and I can connect you to somebody as well um, if you're if you're looking for that. So I, I know of, you know, in the GTA, you know, some Durham people and someone in the West End. Um, that I can connect you to if you're in another province that I can't help you, but, uh, um, you, you know, but then that's where Ernest probably can, right. And connect you to, uh, uh, contractors, uh, in your area. So. Yes. You Cause Aquascape is a Canadian, yeah. Canadian and, um, American wide company. So yeah, they've got a good range. Yes. That's right. And oh, I love this message oh. from Tommy. Thank you so much, Tommy. Did you see this one, Matt? Uh, he just wanted to say hi and to say that he really looks forward to the gardening season this year. My family and I have listened to you for many years and we have taken so much of your advice to make our garden look great and produce some fantastic vegetables. Thanks for all of the advice. Tommy from Youngstown, Alberta. So thank you very much for listening and, and shout out to Youngstown, Alberta. Oh, thank you, Tommy. Thank you so much for listening all those years. I'm sure long before even I started. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, oh, did you have another question there? No, okay. <laughs> um, so I think we plug, kind of plugged um, in last week or next week as well. We have uh, Julia DeMacos returning uh, next week. And we're going to talk all about herbs and I'm sure you're gathering some questions for her, for her wonderful herbs. Uh, don't forget to check out Julia DeMacos at juliademacos.com if you're starting seeds and you're looking to plan out your uh, vegetable garden, uh, maybe like Tommy was doing, maybe with some a little bit more uh, help from another expert. But we've got uh, Julia just recently released her latest ebook, um, How to... Um, start vegetables or plan your vegetable garden. I'm going to be so bad. And I apologize, Julie, if you ever end up listening to this part of the show that I'm missing the title of your book. <laughs> uh, but she just has a, a brand new uh, how to start your, your vegetable garden. Uh, so take a look at that as well. What do we have in the next uh, couple of weeks as well? I think we're going to start to talk about growing food inside and, mm -hmm. and, uh, continue to grow through March. So we are looking, I believe we have a guest coming up about microgreens. 
We um, do. Yes. I mean, that's been something that we've been looking for to have someone speak about growing microgreens. So I'm excited uh, to have Larissa with us in March um, from littleleaffarm.ca. So it's a microgreens farm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we're looking to learn all about that in the month of March. Uh, so, yeah, so we've got lots of uh great ideas for growing food and starting it um, and edibles in your garden, that kind of thing for the month of March. That's right. And then I'm sure you'll all be staying tuned for the month of April while we take a look at all of the different garden pests that may attack your garden. So we'll have a few guests to talk about maintaining and keeping those uh, keeping those plants pest free. And we'll take a look at some of those common weeds and insects and mm -hmm. help you uh, get a jump start and identify those as they approach your garden. So lots of great topics yet to come. That's right. And we do, I do want to say it again, if you're, if you're just tuned in, we want to hear from you. What plants do you want to learn more about how to grow them? Um, what topics are you interested in? We would uh, definitely, you know, we've been doing this a long time and we know what we want to talk about, um, but we want to know what else we can do uh, to help you. Uh, so love the feet. We would really love some feedback there. And, uh, and uh, as we kind of continue to fill in our schedule, um, whether it needs, we need to, we, Matt and I can speak to it or whether we need to call in an expert, we're, we're happy to do that. So yeah, we'd love to listen. We'd love to hear from you, right? That's right. That is right. Let us know what you want to hear, not just what we want to talk about. That's right. <laughs> that's um, right. So that's good. And we are looking forward to Julia next week. And Matt, you're going to try and join us after your class. I am indeed. I am indeed. But until then, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. So again, thank you to all of our wonderful listeners. Whether you're listening live to us this evening or you're somewhere comfortable or on the way in the car listening to the podcast, we appreciate every one of you. Thanks again, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye, Bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.